Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14 tonight. And we're in uh, verse number 21. Verse number 21. I enjoy so much. I enjoy each week uh, uh, just preparing the lessons. And uh, <clears throat> so thank you for being here. And Wednesday night, part of your weekly schedule. And uh, I hope you'll. Take your take some some notes here and there. Mark your your Bibles. We go through through, and uh, many of these things. Young people, especially, you ought to be ought to be uh, taking note of the things things that we learn in the Book of Proverbs, and so many practical things here for us. Proverbs chapter fifteen, in verse number twenty one. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor. Happy is he. Heavenly Father, please, I ask once more for the presence and the power of God to deliver thy truth. And I pray for our minds, our eyes, and our ears, and our hearts to be open. And that we would, uh, in these next few minutes, receive what you have for us. And, and just continue to build all our lives, line upon line, precept upon precept. One truth after another truth, with one principle after another principle. And build us into the people of God. You'd have us to for Jesus' sake. Amen. Consider this verse. He that despiseth his neighbor. Hey, uh, uh, what, what you to your neighbor? You don't know my neighbor, Pastor. That one, that's what I'm talking about. What's your attitude like towards your neighbor? He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth. You know why you get along with a guy that lives in the town? Because you see him very much. <laughs> it's easy to get along. It's, it's church. That one service, 40 minute service on Sunday morning. Man, who could get, get along with a church like that? And sometimes people think the church is unspiritual because there's conflict here and there and so forth like that. Do you know, you know a family with no children have any footprints? You know, there's, there's no little handprints. There's no color crayon on the wall. Right? Yeah, yeah, but uh, if you if you, uh, if you if you have this one, you get together. That's, that's what we get together. Good night every day of the week. There's something going on. Uh, then you're going to have a bump into each other a little bit. Uh, right now, for example, Mark, Brother Jeff, and a little bit of that, and uh, they're working it out. And uh, but uh, but it's just part. Of it. And uh, uh, but uh, if if you don't need anybody, then you you much get along with anybody if you don't have to talk to them too much. <laughs> but how about your neighbor though? How about your neighbor? He that despiseth his neighbor and sinneth. But he, he that hath mercy on the poor. So the implication here is that it is neighbor despises because poor. He that despises his neighbor is, is, is sinneth, but he that, mer- mer- that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. What's your attitude toward the poor? What's your attitude toward the less? For fortune, the word mercy, I think, in the context of this verse, would say it this way: means to withhold judgment, to withhold judgment. You know, it's so easy to see a person and see their condition and just pass judgment. You know, uh, a, a lot of people. There's a lot of people that that are. We all know this is true, right? But not everybody who's struggling. Is a sorry hound dog. 
There is a such thing as being down on your luck. That's in the Bible. Down on your luck. Uh, some of the best people. Some, some, listen, wealth is people who have become wealthy and lost it all, and become wealthy and lost it all, and become wealthy and lost it all several times. And the wise man is saying, he's saying "Listen, don't, 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 don't think you can just at a glance." Size somebody up and pass judgment upon them. Now, mercy means with hold you there. Here's a statement for the verse. Mercy, not judgment, brings happiness. Mercy, not judgment, brings happiness. Else, Old Testament, the Bible said the duty of man is to do justly and to love mercy. Love mercy. You know, we ought to do the right thing, but we ought to love it when we have the chance to show mercy. That's what the Bible says. Sometimes we pride ourselves on telling it like it is and giving them what for, putting somebody in their face and speaking the truth. But that might be just sort of a little temporary high for our flesh, but it will make us happier. Because the Bible says the man that shows mercy is the one that's happy. There's something, there's, it is more, it's still more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. It's still more blessed to get tested to receive. And when, when God puts your heart and you have an opportunity, you show mercy some way, bless someone in some way, you get a blessing, don't you? Yes. God, God's people ought not go around like disgusted. Amen. There's plenty to be disgusted about in this world, is there not? <laughs> God's people ought not go around to disgusted. There's plenty to despise in this world, but nobody ever wanted to know more about our Savior, because we were disgusted with them. Think about that. Nobody ever wanted to know more about our Savior here because we were disgusted with their way of life. Can, can you understand why I just said? The, the, the folks that are uh, uh, in in the clutches of sin, folks that, that are struggling, they, they ought to receive some God's people. They ought to receive respect. They ought to receive dignity. The Bible says, "Honor all men." And in mercy, we ought to pass, pass judgment on someone. But we'll classify people by status and treats them accordingly. The Christian loves everyone, happily associates with everyone. Jesus accused of being a friend of what? Big shots. <laughs> being a friend of what? Sinners. In Proverbs 19:17, the Bible says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he had given, given will he pay him again. <laughs> years, years ago, the lady she said, she said, you've run those buses, you're just trying to get money out of those kids. And I thought, anyway, that's one of those things you don't even just smile and just walk, 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 you know, you know whatever. But I believe, I'm convinced of this, that one of the reasons God has blessed us and, 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 and just entrusted us with so much. Is because we have to try to look at the poor, and not because of the poor. But, I mean that was that wasn't. But if you start going up and down the streets, it won't be long. You'll find somebody that's a little bit. If you just love everybody and try to go after everybody, guess what? Well, God, I think God notices that. And God and, and the Bible, the Bible, God will be a debtor. It said that which He hath given will He give Him again. I, I, I believe every, every penny we've ever spent. To put gas in a Sunday school bus was loan money 
to the Lord, and it gets returned with interest. I love the bus ministry. Now, a bus ministry touched my life when I was 15 years old. My brother Matt, but she's my sister. And uh, I, I got, got stuck with the Lord going on into my 10 years. So uh, we talked to and we and uh, Dad led us to a bus route. It was a van, 15 passenger van. Did you know if you take back the seat out of a 15 passenger van, you can put 32 kids in it? And that was before DOT. That was that was before uh, 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 whatever. But but uh, true story. But anyway, so we had that, that van. And uh, man, I just it helped me so much as a teenager. I, I would encourage your parents uh, if you're not comfortable with your kids going on a bus, go on the bus with them. I the same thing with youth, youth activity. If you're a parent and you're not comfortable with youth, come on in with us. Come on the bus with us. But for me, it helped me so much. And it, it taught me to fall in love with people and ain't care about others. And uh, and I remember this is true. And this is just a flavor of the whole trip. I don't want you to take this too far. But I'm going to tell you a true story that happened. Um, of course, my parents and much leadership was, was about this. But not, not about everybody. We started running that van. And I was one of those little kids to Christ. My, my, uh, uh, much of my trout was right down in the... And in the uh, government house area. And I had five little black boys that got saved and wanted to get baptized. And I was so excited. And I had five little boys that got baptized on the Sunday. It was wonderful. You know what happened after that? I don't know, but I don't know who it was. I don't remember who it was. But a man in the church came up to me after that service. I, man, I was on cloud of night. <laughs> Here's what he's what he's is this going to be a real recurrence? I, I sure hope so. Yeah. What kind of Christian is that? I love the bus industry. It taught me to love, love people. I affect my heart. I love this story. Brother the house. Uh, came from the fastest growing church in the country and in Tech Tech to a, 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 a denominational church, First Baptist Church Famine, was part of the Northern Baptist Convention. And uh, and the pastor that came that before him, a very scissor tail coat, and uh, very, very formal. And, and, uh, and for about, uh, and, and he, he was from uh, rural Texas and a country preacher and and um, and they, they called him, and 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 God was he didn't, didn't plan, didn't want to come, and that's a whole another self. But anyway, he went there, and, and they had a nice salary, and, and the pastors had a month off in, in the summer time, uh, and uh, paid vacations. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, and uh, and it was uh, it was a wealthy church. It was, uh, the mayor attended the church. The president of the bank attended the church. Seven millionaires attended the church. The church was very well off. And uh, and uh, for about a year, or so, he, he, I've told this many times. For about a year, he just said, "You know, it's, it's nice. It's nice to kind of be somebody." And he just he preached the truth, but he wasn't really after people like he was when he's in Texas. And about a year later, he got a conviction about that, 
And he, he's got his heart right over and he started going at people. And uh, somebody gave some money by a bus. They started running buses. And then, they, then God started blessing. Really blessing. Then another bus, then another bus. And pretty soon hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children were coming in on those buses. And it was making some folks with a little bit of money, money uh, uncomfortable. They didn't like it. And one of them came to him and said, Duh. Duh. Said, uh, uh, he came to his office. Was one of the wealthy men came to his office. And said, uh, we, we, we're tired of these, these kids, kids ruining our building, getting their, their footprints everywhere, and wearing traffic in the auditorium. This is not, we didn't, we didn't sign up for this. And uh, uh, he, he, said, uh, he said, well, we're just loving people. We're trying to get the Great Commission. And uh, Brother House had a picture of D.L. Moody in his office. <laughs> and man said, D.L. didn't run buses. <laughs> he said, you're right, he didn't. He ran on horse and buggy. <laughs> the man said, though, there's all a parking lot. He said, I wonder what was on Moody's parking lot. <laughs> that man could come back again and gave him an ultimate. He said, I represent the millionaires in this church. I represent the man. I represent the president of a bank. He said, we've had it. With these buses. Now, you can either keep keep the kids, or you can keep the you can the church, but you, you can't go both ways. And he gave him an ultimatum. He said, "If you don't quit these buses, all seven of us millionaires, the president and the mayor, were all out of the church." He said, "Let me just remind you, my tithe last week was fifty thousand dollars." He said, if we, we pull out, you, you will go broke. You will, and the bank president has already said, first time you miss a payment, you default on the mortgage. You, you will lose this property. You will lose this ministry. And you have here. He went home and tried to sleep. He couldn't sleep. Woke about 3 o'clock in the morning. Got in his car, car and was driving down Halstead Street up into the city. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? After pretty much of the night away, it was uh, morning, and we were in the city, right in front of the Hilton in downtown Chicago. And he was on the sidewalk. He walked, walking, just praying, God, what am I going to do? Please, please, please help. And he had got down on his face, on the sidewalk in front of the, in front of the, in front of the Hilton Hotel in downtown Chicago. And it was about 7, 7 in the morning. People were coming to work. And people gathered around him and thought he was dead. A police officer came up. People were standing around him. The Chicago Tree wrote an article about it. It said it was 400 people. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what they wrote in the paper. They were standing around and thought, is he alive? Is he, is he breathing? And all of us, he jumped off that sidewalk and put his senses to heaven and shouted at the top of the lungs, I'll take the bus, kids! He went back home and preached, said, we're keeping the buses and we're keeping the bus kids and we're going to obey the Great, Great Commission. And one Sunday, seven million in there, and the bank bank and the mayor walked off to church. But he that had pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord. 
Now, I believe this. I believe this. If God, listen, if we as church, as we are people of God, will be concerned for others. Listen, God be if we ever become a social club. Church, listen to me. God has bowed upon us and it haunts me, and I am so grateful. Let me tell you what we cannot do. We cannot make the mistake that others have made. And get to the point where we, we love our church, which we love the atmosphere of our church. We, we, we love being with each other. May, may I remind you, the thing that makes the atmosphere of the church, the buildings, it's not the program, it's, it's the toil together. Take the yoke upon, learn of me. That's how you get close to the Lord. That's how you get close to God's people. And a lot of churches, when they become established, to get a few buildings and some crowd together, they say, you know, we we don't ever we don't ever go bowling together. You know, we don't ever go on a trip together. I'm against bowling. I like trips. I'm for all that. We, we do need some of that. But sometimes that becomes the main program of church. Do you know what happens when a church takes that step and they become about fellowship than they do about service? They start bickering one with each other. Same things that happen to you you and kids when you take an hour trip in the car. We're going on a vacation. Yeah, and you'll be tearing each other's eyeballs out by the time you get done having fun. But when you serve together, that's where you become close. Verse 22. Do they not err that devise evil? Mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good. Do not err. Get off track. Get away from the truth that devise evil. Again, remember that evil is sin with the intent to, to hurt it over on somebody. But mercy and truth shall be to, to them that devise good. Let me, let me give definition of devise. And I was going to give a statement. Devise, according to the 1828 dictionary, means to, to invent, to contrive, to form in the mind by new combinations of, of ideas, new applications of principles, or new arrangements of parts, to strike out by thought, thought plan, to scheme, to project, as to devise an engine or, or machine, to, to devise a new writing, to devise a plan of defense, to devise arguments. Devise. Invent, contrive, put ideas, combine ideas together to come up with some plan, some scheme. Here's the statement. Think up something good. Think up something good. Uh, there are two articles, two news articles that I have read in the last seven days. Voice recording technology is now coming to a whole new The scammers, if they can get 15 seconds of voice, they can put it in a computer program, and they can create your voice simulation. And then they can type in, and you could, they'll have, they can have you say in your voice anything they type. Elderly people all over the country are getting hoodooed. Mama, this is this, this is Frankie. I, I, they put put me in jail. And I, I hit something I didn't mean to, and I I didn't have my insurance card. They put me in jail, and I need seven hundred dollars, please. Uh, and, and and they will talk back and forth to Granny. Well, how do I do? What do I do? What do, I do? You know the the the, the evil people. They, they devise things all the time. All the time devising things. 
Another article, I didn't read the article, just a headline. Iran is supersonic signals now. That's not a good thing. In, uh, in the year 2000, Mike Jane, and they sold his business. And in 2004, he went, went to work for a place called Faith Comes by Hearing. I don't know much about the ministry, but I'm just aware of it. And one of his first jobs was duplicating tapes. And they send them the scriptures all over the world in many different languages, and they just produce tapes. The staff that, that they had three days of prayer and fasting, the leadership said, what, what we need is we need, need someone to get, get the people out in a format. And MP3 technology was just just, just coming out. And my, my Jane thought and thought and planned and planned and planned. And he said, said because when they send, ta- they send free tapes all over the world, but when 50 people world is living on two hours a day, they are less. They couldn't afford the rest. And the state player said, send a tape. And so, so then the next month, they have to decide if I buy food or buy batteries. And Mike Jane thought and they planned and engineered and he came up with and designed and invented a handheld device. It's called the ProProcar. You can look it up. It is solar operated and crank operated. And they can put entire word of God on this device and get in all over the world where there's no power and people can hear the word of God. You can load sermons on it. You can load deliveries on it. Now, that, that is somebody who devised something worth devising. <laughs> Mercy and truth shall be to them, them that does good. Run that video, brother. Sorry to wake you up. Uh, I kid. He wasn't really asleep. He was just, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I want you to, this uh, brother, Brother Nelson's ministry, Final Frontiers, uh, make sure this sounds positive real quick. Because the, the first few words will make, make sure. Uh, why he's doing that? So you got to give me a thumbs up. What, 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 what do young people, listen, what, here's what I'm trying to do. This verse, this is that side of the back. So you got a good noggin. Some of you not so much, but some of you have a good noggin. Some of you just as smart as a whip. You're smart. And my conscience is this. Use that brain. Use that intellect that God gave you. And think, how, how can you use what God's given you to do something good in the world? You ready? Well, we're ready. Let's, let's roll. Have you heard about Final Frontiers Power Pack Mystery? They make a portable video projection system that fits in a backpack. They've had amazing results on the mission field and have established a proven track record success. And it's gotten them to think, thinking, what would it take for the whole world to see a gospel message using them the pack? If evidence holds true, a single power pack unit over a 10 period will result in 127,000 people getting a gospel presentation. If it deployed one pack to each of their church planters, say thousand of them, over a year period, that could result in 127 million people hearing the gospel. What would be the cost to deploy a thousand power power packs? Three million dollars. 
Now let each preacher not only had a power pack, but a set of 10 video Bibles that cost $1.65 million. The total deployment cost $4.65 million. But what if Final Frontiers wanted to go big? What if, what if to reach the entire population of the planet as of this year, at approximately 7.3 billion people, they would need about 130 times this amount of power packs and audio Bibles at a cost of just over $604 million. Now that sink in for a minute. Do these numbers sound impossible or unavailable? Did you know Americans spend $500 annually on Twinkies? That's right, Twinkies. That's nearly the same amount Final Frontiers needs to use the power packs to get the gospel message to the world. Did you know America owes $17 billion every year on video games? That's 28 times the amount they need. And what about long care? America wastes $4 billion every year on their long and $1.7 billion on Christian romance novels, and $11 billion on Jaspi, and $20 billion on Hollywood food. Now I have nothing against pets. I have two dogs and a bunny rabbit. But let's be honest, Americans cared about the world even a fraction of do for their pets, or their Twinkies, or their Christian romance novels. We would be talking about this right Think about it, or yet do something about it. Now, do you know who, I don't know whose voice that is, but do you know who it is? Somebody who is trying to devise a way to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. A screen and a projector goes in a backpack and hike to some village somewhere and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what this verse is talking about. Use that noggin. I know the story. Brother Sarver, you might know. Uh, there's a gentleman that has invented uh, a way to clean the dirtiest water. Can you testify to that for a moment? Stand it up right where you're at. Get as loud as you can. How big is the, the, the device? The machine is just about this big. It's 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 and people are, are, don't have water, don't have food, and you come in and say, we'll give you a clean water source. Guess what? You, you, you have opened the door to preach things with Jesus Christ. There's another, there's another example. A man, Brother Brown, and uh, Brother Hayes, and, and uh, he could get wealthy on that, but he's using it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's devising something that will help others. And kids, kids, do your best in school. Do your best in school. Full, full around. Do your best in school. Make, make good grades. Get hungry to learn and grow. It might be God lets you come up with a device, device like a handheld device that could get the gospel for half the planet. Amen. I, I tell you this. Uh, that's better than using your mind to devise a plan 
to get to the next level video game. Let me say something about video games. It's not just the time you spend on the video game. It's the time you spend thinking about the video game when you're not playing the video game. If I can say it, say it, y'all can say amen. It consumes me. What if you took that time? What if you, what if you just, just thought, this is really dumb? Here I am, here I am, and I'm giving that much of my mental effort to this? That means nothing. Why don't you read a biography? Why don't you read a Bible? Why don't you just sit and meditate? Why don't you just walk in the field for a half hour and, and think about how you could, could come to some plan to get somebody saved in your town or on the other side of the world? Amen. Verse 23. In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. The word penury means extreme poverty. In all labor, there's profit. It's good works good always get something. Amen. Hard always gets something done. In all labor, there's profit. But the talk of the lips. Did anybody ever, you ever work with somebody who could tell you all about work? Just talking about it all day long. And you want to say, be quiet, work, right? His statement talk less, more. Talk less, more. The only way to get ahead is to work. We're talking about working. Just, just work. The way you get work done, work. <laughs> you shut your mouth and you work. Amen? Get this up. Listen. We, God's, we, we do the same thing. We talk about the work of the Lord. We preach about the work of the Lord. We sim about the work of the Lord. But we, don't, we need to just do the work of the Lord. Amen? Suppose you won't have a fish fry. I mean, for you, 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 you have more fish fries. You believe in fish fries? All right, all right. I believe, I believe in fries as and fries. Amen. And uh, anyway, suppose if you want to have fish fries, you need to get some fish, right? Stay in the restaurant. How many of you think that's be a good uh, thing for some minds? We're gonna have fish fry. We're gonna have to get some fish. Somebody's gonna have to catch some fish. Is that right? Is that right? Yes or no? Yes. All right. So the best way to catch fish is to wear a T-shirt that says "I love fishing." And maybe a bracelet that says WWFD. What, what fishermen do? And maybe join a fish fryers of America pogo stick group, or, or start a local chapter of the Moms for Healthy Fishing Habitats Awareness Group, or maybe hold a three-day seminar on fishing. You could have subjects that says technology fishing, fishing and getting getting in touch with nature, discovering the the fishermen, organic fishing, newly discovered health benefits of fishing. Of course, you could read a book on fishing. That, that was certainly uh, with fish, fish fry. Uh, you could watch a video series on fishing. You could even mortgage your home and go to the last pro shop and purchase all the latest fishing equipment. That's like a really good idea. Or you, you could just go fishing. Jesus said, follow me. And I will make you members of the local fishing guild. Follow me and I will give you a free one-year subscription to the Fishing and Stream magazine. No, he said, follow I will what? Make you fish of men. The only way to obey the Great Great Commission is to actually go out and witness. 
We can preach on soul winning. We can have a seminar on soul winning. We can watch a video on soul winning. We can get a, get a little band, a little bracelet. Uh, uh, guys wear, the guys wear them too. little bracelet right here that says, I love fishing. Get you a little t-shirt fish on it. Or you could just get, get you could just get, get your tracks and, and go give them out and witness. That's what you could do that. You know what, what we, ought we ought to talk about the work of the Lord and then do more of the work of the Lord. Amen. That's true for anything. Clean house, you want to clean that house? Talk less, work more. You want to clean room? Talk less, work more. Verse 24, the crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of the fools is folly. The crown of the wise is their riches. But the, the foolish of fools is his folly. Now, I'll be honest with you, I had to meditate on this quite a bit. You, you know, the verses get stumped on. None of my commentary I had to say about it. <laughs> but but here's, here's what I believe that we learned in this verse. Think about, about it. Crown of the, the wise is interest. The foolishness of fools is folly. Here's a thought for us. Riches magnify the character of a man. If you write down, write down, let me explain what I, what I mean. Riches magnify the character of a man, for better or for worse. This is true of a wise man. A wise man. Money, money, by the way, it's just a tool. It's a way to get something done. Amen? You're not spiritual because of money. You're not spiritual because you don't have money. Sometimes we almost spiritualize poverty. Uh, you can sing, I just walk around in the corner. Lord, Lord I want my mansion. <laughs> you can have the log cabin if you want it. But, that's, but sometimes we, we, we almost, uh, we almost I, you can swing the pendulum too far either way. Sure. But sometimes we, we spiritualize poverty. But, but here it says, the crown of the wise is their rich. Riches magnify the character of a man, for better or for worse. This is true of a wise man. Riches extends his influence and potential good in the world. But also it is true for a fool. Wealth simply affords a fool more opportunity for foolishness. People say, if I win the lottery, I'm going to really help the church. If you buy a lottery ticket and you win, you're foolish. And if you win any money, it will be an avid for you to do more foolish. That's what the scriptures say. It's easy to give away something you don't have. I hit it big, I'm going to give. No, you're not. If you, you won't give 10 cents out of a dollar, you won't give $10 out of 100. If you won't give $10 out of 100, you won't give 100,000. If you, if you won't give 100 out of 1,000, you, you won't give 1,000 out of 10,000. Whatever windfall you get will simply magnify the character you presently have. If you're a fool with a dollar, you'll be a fool with $10,000. Stop kidding yourself. I don't have it in front of me, but I got an illustration. Uh, I wish I had it in front of me. I think I used it in this series. What, what is it? Something like 70, forgive, forgive me, give me a little grace with the number. 
uh, I have to generalize because I don't remember. It was something like 70-something percent of, uh, of uh, NBA players within five years, five years or so. It, I like the exact numbers, but it's, it's very close. And I, if you want, if you want the record, I, I can uh, show you show you the articles. And it, it is much better for the NFL. Look, we're 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 arresting and you know 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds that make two, three, three million dollars a year for for bad battery, for, for complicit to murder. Uh, if you give a twenty-year-old thug a million dollars, what you have? A millionaire thug. If you give a 23-year-old fool a million dollars, you're a fool. Right? So don't think some better, better advantage in your life is going to make you wiser. It's going to magnify what you are. And by the, by the way, some people have told me this. I'm praying that God will, God will make me a millionaire so I can, I want to really, really tell the Lord's work. And I, I'm talking about that. That desire might be the reason God wants you to have a million dollars. I, I, I think we ought to want to do everything we can for the Lord. Amen? But sometimes, folks, I want to say, let's, how about, let's, do what we, let's do something for the Lord with what we have. Amen? All right, verse 25. A true witness delivers souls, but a, but a deceived witness speaks lies. A true Witness delivers souls, but a deceitful speaketh lies. Here's a statement for us: a genuine testimony, a true witness, a genuine testimony touches lives. A genuine testimony touches lives. On the other hand, a false witness destroys. Be a true, be a true witness. Be a faithful. Witness. You know, forgive me, but I'm going to go political for a little bit. Is everybody all right with that? How much damage has been done to our country in the last just... And one of the most egregious displays of this verse is the seeple witness speak of the lies. Happened in a debate when our president brought up the fact that full of garbage and, and evidence of corruption. That's possible. That's like there are 50 members of the intelligence community who signed a letter saying that it is all Russian disinformation. Well, guess what? Facts are out now and all 50 of them are bald-faced liars. Department of Justice and the FBI are now destroying the lives of whistleblowers who speak, who dare to speak the truth, while at the same time covering up for known lies. Every one of those 50 men ought to lose their security clearance. They ought to be held accountable for lying. They knew lying. The facts are out now. Turn to Deuteronomy 17. Let me show you something. I impart you, you Deuteronomy 19. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let, let every 
board be established. But, but I'm not going here. Deuteronomy 17. Look at verse number, verse number uh, 6. At the mouth of two witnesses, or three witnesses, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. All right, look at me for just a minute. Just stand up here for a moment. Over two chapters later, in 19, and we taught this and this and this and these Wednesday nights, that a, if a witness came forward, a case could not be brought until there was at least two eyewitnesses. So if, if there are, if there's one, if a person comes forward, then it goes no further. Now, why is that? Because it's his word against mine. And as preached on Sunday night, I don't know his heart. I can know my man's heart. It's just one witness, it's one man's word against another. Now, this is, this is the system of justice that God set for his people. So look, look at verse 6. In the mouth of two witnesses, or three witnesses, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. Watch this, first sentence. The hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death. Look at that. If you came forward with an accusation that carried a capital offense, there had to be at a minimum two witnesses. And if those two witnesses gave their testimony and the man is found down guilty, the witnesses had to be the first to participate in the execution. Thank you. Be seated. This first talks about being a true witness. Ten commandments. Thou shalt not bear false witness. The devil, Revelation 12, verse 10, is called the accuser of the brethren. In John 8, 44, he's called the father of all lies. I touched on this a little bit on Sunday night. I'll read it again tonight. So much of the work of God had been damaged because God don't obey the scriptures in this matter. You be careful for you, you meddle in unfounded accusations. I was with Brother Arthur Scott this week in a meeting. If he keeps preaching, he's preaching seven years. and preaching for 60 years. And he told the story. This is the same hand he told her while I was praying this night. A, a man by the name of uh, Brother the Ted, Pastor Tedder. When Larry published his magazine and his felt is garbage, and the magazines were going into the convenience stores, Brother Tedder and one sister in town fought tooth and nail to keep those magazines off the racks of the convenience store. A prostitute in the town came to the newspaper 
and on the front page of the newspaper was her testimony that this pastor had been given money and seeing her every several days on the front page of the newspaper. The, 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 the pastor was mistaken. Maintained his integrity. He said it's not true. No truth about it. He lost his church. He graduated from Baptist Bible College. The college called him up and said, uh, uh, retract your, your uh, send it as your uh, diploma. The home, the home church where he was ordained said, we revoke your ordination. Brother Scott, Brother Arthur Scott, went to him. He said, there's pretty convincing articles. He said, Brother Scott, not a word of it's true. He said, well, hey, son, if it is true, number one, I'm still your friend. But number two, because I'm friend and you tell me it's not true, I believe you. I believe you. A long time later, man lost his church, lost his ministry. His Bible college turns back on him. His home church revoked his ordination. That prostitute went to the newspaper with a retraction. Mary Flint had paid her to lie about, about that church, to defame that man of God. She went to the newspaper, turned in her retraction, went to hotel herself. His Bible college called her up and we're so sorry. We're sending your diploma uh, back to it. No, I don't need it. His home church called and said, we're so sorry. We're, we're reinstituting your ordination. He said, no, no, I don't need it. No, thank you. The, the Bible said, a friend loveth at all times. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? When you hear an accusation, not a witness. Here's the thing. We're living, living in a day. You'll read something and you don't have a clue who you're reading after. Somebody sit down. Some bitter fool who used to be in the will of God and got out of the will of God is mad at the world and not Everything they want to type. Someone, someone else piles on, and someone piles on, and something gets into the chamber. And say, well, there's a bunch of people saying it. Yeah, there's a bunch of people repeating it. And the Bible says the tailbearer is the one that separated the friends. But, but when it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, it's one man's against another. First of all, you ought to keep all, all that garbage out of your head as you really can. Now, I like you, it's, it's just about impossible to keep all of it out. But you ought to avoid it, stay away from it. And if you do hear it, you ought to read it. You say, I don't believe, believe it. You say, well, but this is a serious accusation. The seriousness of the accusation does not change the principle of the word God. These were pretty charges. just came with the death penalty. And somehow we think because it's a real, real serious charge that it's more believable. Well, we better be careful. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for the first. Thank you.
at verse 26. One more and we'll be done. Verse 26. If the fear of the Lord is strong cons, and his children shall have a place of refuge. I love this, this little verse right here. Verse 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. <clears throat> here's here's the thing I want to give you. A God-fearing home is a refuge from the world. A, a God-fearing home refuge from the world. A God-fearing man, according to the verse, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. There's no confidence like the confidence of knowing that you've done the right thing in the, in the eye of God. And that's what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord, Lord is, is that I have a reverence and respect and awareness of God. Basically, it's this. God is there. He's, he's all. And I want to please Him more than I want to please anybody else in the world. A, a God-fearing man is a confident man. And confidence and security to his home. That's what this verse teaches. I remember a sin in my life as a teenager. Begrudging my buddies because they always won't come to our house. And I, you know, I ain't got buddies. But sometimes it's like too much. And I now remember getting convicted a bit about that. And realizing that they, they wanted to be at our house. They wanted to be the envir- around the environment of our home. Our home was safe. Our, our pleasant. Our home was loving. We prayed in our home. We read the Bible in our home. We, we didn't yell, scream at each other in our home. We didn't curse in our home. We feared God and, and we feared mom and dad. And home was a refuge. Amen. Hey, home ought to be a refuge. Amen. And I got very home. We'll be a refuge. Well, let's stand together, shall we?